Okay, this week's parsha is a double Torah portion. It is parshas va parshas. I'm sorry, Achrimos Kedoshim. Achrimos is the Torah portion that basically the primary subject, the primary topic of the Torah portion of Achrimos is dealing with the. Um, <coughs> Sorry, the avoda, the service um, of the Yom Kippur service on the during the times of the temple, during the times of the Beis Hamikdash. The the parsha, the Torah portion of Kedoshim, um, has a host of different commandments, positive commandments, negative commandments. And hopefully we will have enough time to touch upon both. We're going to spend most of our class in Achremos just because of the nature of what I prepared of the, the mitzvot since it's, they, are, they happen to both be completely loaded, loaded, loaded Torah portions. And obviously we're not going to get everything. There are dozens of commandments we can talk about, but we will do our best to touch upon a few things that are important in everyday life. First um, thing I want to talk about, which is the very, very, I'm going to try to say a very, um, it's going to be a little bit deep, but it's, it's going to be a beautiful um, um, outline of something we, we, we read or we hear, or we hopefully go even deeper and we, think about every year on Yom Kippur, which is the Yom Kippur service, okay? So this is, this. Um, we're going to try to set it up right in the beginning of the Torah portion, page 656, 657 in the, in the, uh, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong Torah portion. That is the second Torah portion. The first Torah portion of our week this week, 636 and 637. It says, Moshe, God spoke to Moshe, um, after the two children of Aaron passed away, the two children of Aaron named Nadav and Aviyu, they got killed because they brought incense into the um, Holy of Holies without proper, uh, it's a big discussion in the Talmud exactly why they got killed, but the very simple basic level is they brought in um, incense to the Holy of Holies when they were not called, it was not called for, um, they were not called upon, they did it on their own will, based on the fact that they were at a lofty level, they wanted to give to Hashem, give to God, when it was not called, they were not called upon, and God um, killed them. It was a big tragedy, they were very, very holy people, very, very righteous um, tzaddikim. So this is f immediately following that story. So right after they passed away, the Karvasam Lefnei Hashem, when they came close to Hashem Vayamus, and they passed away. So what happens? God tells Moshe, tell over to your brother Aaron, who was the Kohen Gadol. And he's giving him this warning now, do not go into the Holy of Holies. Be based on Prochus. Etc. And then he, the next verse continues in verse number three. Bezos, with this, 
Yavo Aaron Elokodesh. With this, Aaron shall enter the sanctuary. Bepar ben a bull, a young bull for sin offering. The Ayala and an Ayala is a is a ram for an elevation offering. They say in the art scroll, um, Ola literally in English means elevation. It's one of the offerings that get completely burnt. So there is a commandment here right in the beginning of the portion, Torah portion. It starts off like this. God tells Moshe, tell Aaron, you cannot go into the Holy of Holies without being called upon. But with this, you can go in. On Yom Kippur, with a bull offering, a bull as a, as a, as a uh, sin offering, and a ram as a, as a uh, ola, an elevation offering, or a burnt offering. So the first question we have to ask right away is what does this have to do with the children of our own getting killed? Why specifically that? Why is that mentioned here? Why does that have to do with the, the rest of the Torah portion, which then continues on and goes through all of the different, um, um, the, whole, um, the whole day's worth of offerings and service in the temple in, uh, of Yom Kippur? What does that have to do with Aaron's children passing away, Aaron's children dying? And then we're going to talk about, hopefully, we're going to get into the, into the significance of the bull offering, the bull for the sin offering, as well as the, as well as the, the ram. I, I don't know if we're going to touch upon the ram. It might be, um, I want to get into more things later on, but for sure we're going to talk about the, the bull. And we're just going to continue on, and we're going to jump. And before we, we, I jump, the Rashi tells us right away that this these two offerings were both specifically paid for by Aaron himself. His own money it was his own offering for, on a personal level as the high priest, so to speak. Um, whatever they call high priest, the Kohen Gadol. And then following this, later on, it says, in verse 8, I'll just read the English in verse 8. Um, I'm sorry, verse 5 from the assembly of the children of Israel. So now this is from the entire Jewish people in page three, um, 639, from the assembly of the children of Israel. He shall take two he-goats, okay, shnei se'iri izim, the same sin offering, two goats for a sin offering, and one ram for an elevation offering, for a ola, okay? So we, here we have now these four separate um, um offerings or sacrifices. The first offering is the bull. Second offering of the coin gunnel sacrificed was the, the, the ram. And then the Jewish people, which Aaron himself brought it to the altar, but it was for the Jewish people, was the Shnei was Sirizim, the two Sirizim. We actually know these famous two um, he-goats one was sacrificed on the Mizbeach, on the altar, and the other one was thrown off a cliff, La'azazel. If anyone knows Hebrew, that's not a very kind Hebrew word, because it means literally throwing someone off a cliff and him getting destroyed in the smithereens. It's a Israeli, uh, it's a, it's a Israeli curse word, I think. Who we can say, because we're not Israeli. Um, basically, basically, um, the idea is, the question is like this, what's the difference? Why does Aharon bring a par, a, 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 a bull, 
and the Jewish people brings two he goats, Shnesir Izim. Okay, so now we have a few questions here. The first question is, what does it have to do with the children of Aaron? Second question, and the second question is not really a question, it's more like a springboard to talk about this. What's the significance of these different offerings? I'm going to delve into this a little bit deeper. Okay, so before we get into the answer, I'm going to ask you a a question, a very, very open-ended question, not an open-ended answer, but very broad, yidiot kolios, a very um, general question. There are two things in Jewish history that are the two main um, kitchrig, I don't know how to say it in English, like kitchrig in, in, in Hebrew. It's a, I, I don't know how to explain it in English, but two main sins in Judaism, Jewish history that cause our um, teshuvah and our tefillah, our prayers, to get to, to get stopped from going into heaven. Two main f- fundamental sins throughout our history. Can anyone guess or figure out what these two sins were? Or which these... No, uh, yeah, you're very good. But I'm, I'm talking about very specific sins. Specific sins that the Jews oh, did. People of certain people. I see what you're saying. Yeah, or generalized. I don't have any ideas. Um, there's no, I'm not going to bet anyone. I just want to hear anyone ask. These are, everyone knows of these sins. They just may not know that these are the ones. Go for it. Just, just don't forget to unmute your button. I think one of them was, and I can't recall the people involved when the earth shook and they all fell in. That's a good one. It's a good guess. It's a good try. You're referring to Korach. When Korach um, rebelled, so to speak, against Moshe, that's a very good, that would be for sure in the top 10, but we're looking for the two biggies, the two biggies. And I'll give you a hint. One of them happened before the Jewish people became a nation. Would one of them been when um, the sons of uh, Yaakov killed the people of Shechem? Oh, ooh, almost. You almost got it. You almost got it. It was the sons of Noah, I thought he was going to say. No, the, the, I'll tell you, oh. the biggest, the one, the one that I'm referring to is the selling of Yosef by the brothers. Oh, okay. when the brothers, so you said the sons of Yaakov. I was like, oh, when the selling of the brothers by Yosef, that's one of the biggies. Okay. We never, the Jewish people as a whole still suffer from that sin. Yosef never completely forgave his brothers. He gave a some sort of apology. He never completely forgave them. Therefore, until this day, we have some sort of suffering when we try to repent. We try to, we always need to um, keep a, a, a little corner of our prayers or, or in this case, the, the, in the temple, we need to keep some sort of um, part of the service geared towards that big um, sin. So he got one down. And the second one happened. Is it Adam and Hava? No, this is the second one happened immediately following the giving of the Torah. Oh, to get Miriam, the golden, Miriam speaking harder. The golden calf, the golden calf, very good. The golden calf. Thank so the sin know. of the golden calf. The sin of the golden calf was considered the greatest calamity, the greatest tragedy that the Jewish people at Mount Sinai just received the Torah, just witnessed the greatest miracles, and then they crashed basically rock bottom, that was considered also the greatest sin. So the two main sins that the Satan come at us with to try to nail us 
to try to nail us with are these two sins. The sin of the selling of Yosef by the brothers and the, the sin of the golden calf. Okay. Now, so here's the, here's the deal over here. We come on Yom Kippur every year. We try to ask God for mercy, ask Hashem to be, um, to be kind to us and give us an uh, uh, extra, extra credit, so to speak, to give us lenient uh, judgment. But we have these two uh, black um, things, black, what do you want, like skeletons in the closet. So we need to, so to speak, pacify the Satan. We need to say, Satan, we need to keep him quiet. So we bring two sacrifices for these two sins. Okay? So now why, what, what are they, what, what's going on here? Let's talk about this for a moment. The sin of the golden calf. What was the golden calf? It was a calf. A calf is a cow. And a cow and a bull are the same thing. One's male, one's female. So we're bringing a par, a, a bull, for a chatas. So why is this, this the, the, the sacrifice of Aharon, his personal sacrifice, because I think we all know, or will know now, that Aharon had a very, very integral part of the building of the golden calf. Although he didn't actually do a sin, because he meant it in the purest of ways, but since he was a very, very, very righteous person, he was a big tzaddik, big tzaddikim, they get punished for the little things. So this is a, a a kapara for his personal connection to the golden calf. He brings it from his own personal money. He brings a special um, karban, a special sacrifice of a par, a bull, as a as a kapara for the for the sin of the golden calf. That's the significance of the of of the calf of the bull that he brings. Beautiful. Okay. Now, what happens to the? Well, what's the story with the? Uh, the Shtei Sirim that we bring for the, the rest of the Jewish people. So the Shtei Sirim, you could tell me what happened by the selling of Yosef. What do they do to his shirt, his beautiful um, um, garment, the Ksonas Pazim? They slaughtered a a a uh, uh, thingamajing, a a, a goat, a goat, and they. They dipped his 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 um cloak his ksonas pasim in the in the blood. Okay, the problem is that this is only one goat. So why are we bringing a sacrifice for of two goats, right? So there's a very interesting medrash. Medrash tells us a very fascinating thing. It happens to be that it brings out a very very scary thought about how. Every single thing that we do, all of our actions have ramifications. And the simplest, littlest things can, can really have ramifications down the road. And the holier a person is, obviously, the larger the magnifying glass. And it's funny. Someone just told me a beautiful um, analogy, a beautiful uh, muscle. It says when you take a big, large ray of light, whatever it may be, a floodlight, a flashlight, the sunlight, whatever it is, the closer you are standing to the light, the larger your shadow will be. The further a person is standing away from the light, the smaller the shadow is, right? So if there's a light coming from the other side of the room and I'm standing here, I'm, I'm mirror imaged, whatever. But if, the, if, if I'm 
20 feet away from a light source and I'm standing three inches from the wall, the sh my shadow will be basically my image. If I'm standing two feet away from the light, I'm going to block 80% of the light, right? So he said, my, my friend told me this, my friend from Nicola, he said that he heard it from someone else. He said that the idea is as follows. When we when, when a person is holy, the holier a person is, the closer he is to the spiritual light, to the eternal light of, of God himself. And therefore, his actions cast much larger images, much larger shadows. They take much more impact, has much more of an impact. That's why, it's not necessarily that he is judged in a, in a more um, meaningful way, not that he's judged in a more serious way, is that his actions are more impactful. His actions do impact more. They are they are actually more powerful. Every single thing that he does positively, positively, positively affects the world in a much larger way. And conversely, anything he does negatively affects the world negatively in a much larger way because he is that much closer to his son. He casts that much more of a, of a shadow. Either way, be it as it may, Yitzchak, I'm sorry, Yitzchak, right, Isaac wanted to give the blessings to who? To Esav. What happens? Yaakov, with a little bit of trickery, takes these blessings away from, from Esav. What did he do? So if anyone remembers, in the Parsha of Todos, and this story happens to be, happened on Pesach night, he slaughtered Two Gideaism, two goats. Why did he slaughter two goats? Because one was for the Korban Pesach, for the Pesach offering, and the other one was for the Chagiga offering, the two Pesach offerings. And he slaughters two goats. Um, I'm trying to find it inside. And then, um, Kachna Misham Shte Gideaism. Tevim. Take from me two goats. The Medrash tells us, since he tricked his father and tricked his father, his father thought he was Esav, and really he was Yaakov, he got punished, so to speak, or as a, as a kapara for his actions, his children fooled him by dipping the cloak of Yosef into a blood of a goat so that the blood of the goat now tricked him into thinking that his son was really dead. And really for 22 years, his son was alive. So we see that although it was the right thing and for generations later on, we, we are the chosen nation, still he gets punished for it. And he got tricked with the same blood of the, of the, what's his name? The same blood of the, of the goat. Fascinating. And now, just before we, just to touch up, just to complete the thought, now we get the two goats and we can connect it back to our Torah portion where the sacrifice of the Jewish people to, again, as a kapara, as a complete kapara for this sin, every year we have to bring two goats as a, as a kapara and as an atonement for, for this sin. Yeah, what's the question? Go for it. So that's Mita connected Mita. Exactly. As as me the connected me as you can get. Okay. That that's 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 you got it. It's funny because the in the same medrash, 
there's another fascinating thing. It says Yaakov caused, I think it's the same measures. Yaakov caused Esav to cross. So he, he, right now we're specifically referring to his sin, so to speak, towards his father. Okay? Because he tricked his father. Not with regards to his brother. Now, with regards to his brother, he caused his brother to cry. Um, um, Esau had this heart-rendering, like, uh, tremendous amount of, of, uh, of uh, pain. It caused him an outburst of a 40-year-old man, an outburst of, of, of bursting out in, in tears because of this. The Medjus tells us that because of that, many, 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 many years later, who do we know in the Purim story was running around the streets crying and screaming, wearing sackcloth? Mordechai Tzadik. Why? The Medjus tells us as a, an atonement because his great-great-great-grandfather Yaakov caused his brother to cry. I don't know exactly how that adds up. Seems very cryptic to me, but Mida connected Mida, it is. That's one thing we see. It was Mida connected Mida. I don't know exactly where that falls into the story, but nothing to do with us, but I thought it was a nice aside. Okay, so there's much more to this topic, how the aisle connects to the aisle of, of the of the of the Akedas Yitzchak, of the sacrificing of Isaac, of the bonding of Isaac. On the altar, we're not going to have time for that. I wish we could. It's a beautiful um, ending to the story. How it connects to to the death of Aaron's children. Also, it's it connects to that because they got killed as a result of the of the sin of the golden calf. Again, I, I wish I had time for this. I'm realizing that I wanted to get to more stuff. So I think that we touched upon enough with regards to the sacri- with regards to the service of. Of Yom Kippur, I think we can talk about another topic now. So we'll leave that as it is. And next week, next, I'm sorry, next year, when we go through this parsha again, remind me and we'll, we'll catch up to the second half of this uh, thought. Okay, let us talk about this next um, thought. Parak Yudchas, Pasuk Hey, chapter 18, verse 5. So this is still in Parshish Achremos. Okay, verse 5. So now we're going to go through all the difference. We just finished talking about the service of Yom Kippur. And now we're going to talk about all these different um, commandments, positive, negative commandments. Um, one of the positive commandments here. Uh, I'm sorry, the negative commandments. Sorry, where am I going here? I want to talk about this. Sorry. I, I wrote on the I wrote on the email the title, so I have to talk about that before I lose one at a time. So I'm not gonna I'm gonna skip to the next one, which is in verse 21. The same the same um, chapter, verse 21. So chapter 18, verse 21. It's on page 652, 653. Um, it goes as follows. You shall not present any of your children to pass through for the Molech. Molech is a form of idol worship. Okay? Do not desecrate the name of God. Does anyone know? You don't have to talk. Just raise your hand. I'm just curious. What the form? No, everyone's 
videos are off. What? Oh, this is not everyone. I shouldn't say everyone. What? What? Does anyone know what the form of of service was to the molech, the molech service of that form of avodah zara, that form of idol worship? Does anyone know what it entailed? No. Very good. Leslie got it. So I'm gonna share it with you. Anyone know? You know, doctor. Okay, so this is the most I would I would say personally the most one of the most gruesome forms of idol worship, even worse than defecating on top of the idol, which was a different one. It seems very uh, strange. This one was they used to take their children among different variations, and they used to hold them by their arms or whatever it was, and they used to pass them through a burning fire, a a row of fire and literally burn their children alive, according to some of them, or stall them and, and burn their bodies up and let them live. Either way, yeah, mute yours, doctor. I don't want your Eli to hear all that. Is it? Anyways, so the question is, okay, we get it. At some point of time, maybe there were people who lived in a very um, strange world, and that's what they used to do. <coughs> However, um, Clearly, this is not an issue we deal with in 2023. 2023, we have our, a host of our own issues to deal with. This is not one of them. So I thought, and so all of you thought, right? So it seems like, okay, fine, this is one of the verses you go, okay, next. This one, shoo, 612 I have to worry about. Not this one. 613, this one I got in my back pocket. I go up to heaven. I'll say, God, I never did this one. I never even thought about doing this one. I ran away 100 feet away, 100 miles away. However, the Ramban, the Nachmanides, the, one of the classical commentaries on the Parsha, shares with us a fascinating thought, which makes this um, commandment very, very relevant to today's day and age. Why does the Torah tell us the last few words? I'll read it again. And your children, you should not bring them to pass through for the um, idol of Molach. Do not desecrate my name. Now, it seems like the Ramadan is stressing and it's very important for us to get the idea over here that it's a desecration to God's name. I mean, all forms of idol worship are desecrating God's name because we are telling God, I like you, you're nice, but I like this guy also. And that's a desecration to God's name. So what's so significant over here? So it says the Ramban, something fascinating. You know what's going to happen? People are going to say, this guy, when it comes to God himself, Hashem, he sacrifices animals, only animals. But when it comes to this Avodah Zarah, this idol, he's even willing to sacrifice his children. That is the desecration to God's name. Besides for the regular desecration, because it's, it's idol worship, the fact that people are going to say he's willing to sacrifice his child, his own child, for God, sorry, he's willing to sacrifice his own child for idol worship, and for God, he only brings 
Um, he only brings a, um, a, an animal. That's a desecration to God's name. Fascinating. You know what the Ramban's telling us? The Ramban's telling us is that this person has, I don't want to say any bad words, but has messed up priorities. That's the desecration to God's name. Besides for the, the cruelty and the, the, how, how terrible it sounds, the desecration to God's name is look at this person, how he's willing to sacrifice more for something bad than for God himself. That's what we can learn, we can take out of this, out of this commandment, out of this avera, out of this sin. The fact that when a person looks at his overall actions of his own life, and he looks at what makes him tick, what makes him upset, what keeps him up at night. Those are where he's focused, his priorities. Most of a person's right life, what is he dealing with? What is he focused on? Those are his priorities. Now think about it and think, is God in there? Or hopefully he is in there. Is what level is he? What number is he on my list of priorities? Does my service to God, does that keep me up at night? Does it keep me up at night that I'm not giving enough, if I'm giving enough charity, is that what makes me lose sleep? Or what makes me lose sleep is that the cardinals are stinking and they're having, having the worst April and whatever. What's keeping me up at night? What am I thinking about when I'm driving to work? Or if I'm not driving to work, whatever it may be. What is what I'm sitting on the couch? What am I thinking about? Are my priorities connected to God? Or are my priorities a little bit not connected to God? And sometimes, hopefully none of us, our priorities are, 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 are things that are not good. They're, they're sins. They're bad things. Hopefully not us. Hopefully, if... Some of us do some sins once in a while. It's because, just because it happens and we, the, the, the evil inclination gets the better of us. But even if it's not bad things, but are, are we connecting? Are we thinking about God? Are we bringing God into our life? Is he part of our, our, our day in, day out? Is he, when we wake up in the morning, is God on our minds? Before we go to sleep at night, is God on our minds? This is the lesson we can learn from the the molar, right? I I, I heard a, a an interesting, I, I I read an interesting um, analogy. I guess analogy is the wrong word. Uh, I'll make a, I'll give an example. An example. A guy prays in the morning. He puts on his tefillin. Okay, so he's wrapping the straps, right? Puts them on, and as he was trying to put his tefillin on his head, they fall down and they bang onto the table. Okay, so we know that our tefillin boxes have to be perfectly square. So now his tefillin now have a little dent in it. So look at your tefillin. And he goes, oh, yeah, there's a dent in it. I don't know. Right? And he puts it away and he makes a mental note to, to call Rabbi Nitzen one day and take care of it. Okay, he walks, leaves shul or, or home, wherever he's putting on tefillin, and he notices that. As he, while he was away, someone bumped into the rear left bumper of his beautiful fancy car, or not so fancy car, depending on, right? What is his reaction then? 
Like, someone bumped into my bummer. Who bumped into my bummer? He looks around and he looks on his windshield. Maybe someone left him a note. He gets all upset. And, he's, and his whole day, presumably most of us, you'll be thinking about what kind of guy hits my bumper. I had it. I live on Delmar. And and in Delmar, you, you buy, you buy, I mean, not literally, I'm joking, but you need to buy mirror insurance for your left um, mirror. Because every couple of weeks your mirror gets popped off. So I, you ask Howard, I don't know, I don't know where he went. He was there before. You ask Howard about this. Um, I could park like three feet onto the grass, and somehow someone manages to knock off my mirror. So um, um, one time I, I saw the other guy's mirror. I was like, you know what? At least his mirror also got knocked off. This makes me feel a little bit better. But I, it, it hurts. It's like, who knocked off my mirror? How in the middle of the night, and you don't even know. Just leave Scott free and it bothers you. That's 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 a little misguided. That's a little bit misguided. I mean, spirituality, the mitzvah, the commandment of having a square thing, maybe kosher, maybe not be kosher. The first thing we should do is to go to the sofa to check it out to see if it's kosher or not. This is a commandment that I'm gonna miss out because it may not be kosher. And my bumper or my mirror is 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 just a mirror. It's not the end of the world. I mean, my mirror, I couldn't see. I couldn't drive with it. But a bumper is for sure not the end of the world. A bumper is a bumper. What's the big deal? It's just aesthetics, okay? So now, the, the title of the class, I talked about roosters and refrigerators. Why did I name it roosters and refrigerators? So refrigerators was because it started with an R. And roosters started with an R. So I decided to talk about refrigerators. I was going to give an example of refrigerators breaking down and how nervous we would be if our refrigerator broke down. But what does roosters have to do with anything that I didn't make up? So there's a famous, famous story in Nach, in Shmuel Beis, um, sorry, Shmuel Aleph, the first book of Shmuel. Shmuel is split up into two books. Shmuel Aleph, um, there's like two or three chapters that talk about it. Chapter four, five, six, a whole story. The Aron Kodesh, the Ark that housed the Luchos, was captured by the Philistines from the Jewish people, okay, for a long time. And basically everywhere they brought this our own plague destroyed and decimated the Philistine cities until finally the Philistines got the message and they put the ark, the Aron, on a wagon with two um, animals. I think it was two, two uh, um, I don't remember, cows, I think, or animals. And they just walked by themselves. They didn't have any riders. And they guided themselves to a Jewish town. And this Jewish town was called Beit Shemesh, I think. I believe they went to Beit Shemesh. When the Aaron arrived at Beit Shemesh, they were very excited. They made a whole simcha. But shortly thereafter, there was a massive plague. There's a different machlokas, different dis disagreement whether or not exactly how many people died. 50,000 people, 70... It says 50 and... I'm sorry. It says 70, comma, and 50,000. So it's very interesting what that means. So it's a whole disagreement how it works. Either it's 50,000 regular people plus 70 of the elders of the righteous tzaddikim or different things. But either way, a lot of people died. Jewish people died. Terrible, terrible plague. One of the Midrashim tell us why did they die? 
It's a fascinating thing. The, the Medrash source he quotes God's language. It says, God says, my ark, my holy ark was sitting by the Philistines for seven months, says God, so to speak, as it were. If any one of these people would have lost their rooster, one rooster, they would have gone knocking door to door looking for their rooster. And my holy ark is gone for seven months and no one bats an eyelash. Not those words. God doesn't talk like that. I, I'm making up my own words. But God is telling us the apathy that the Jewish people showed towards the loss of the Aaron Kodesh. What is going on here, says God? If they would have lost a rooster, they would have lost 10 bucks. They would have gone looking and searching for it, trying to find it. Yet, the Aaron is missing for seven months and everyone is apathetic. This is really our theme. The idea of misguided priorities. We have to realize that God is in this story over there in the in the in the, in the Navi. God is, is 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 very upset. He killed, according to some of the commentaries, fifty thousand people in the plague. That's a lot of people. That's a tremendous amount of. That that's a big tragedy. Why? Because the Jewish people cared in that area of time, era of time. The Jewish people showed that they cared more about their money than about God's holy ark. What's the significance of that? It shows a misguided set of priorities. That's the idea, again, going back to the molech, the, the molech um, um, idol worshiping, whatever you want to call it. That's the lesson we can take out of that. I'm just going to end off. We have, we have a couple of minutes because we said we're going to talk about Kedoshim for a moment. Um, we talked about this last week. Last year, I'm sorry, but last year I think they were separate because it was a leap year last year. So we got two separate weeks to talk about this. So it was much better. This year we didn't even touch upon Kedoshim and we have three minutes left. So I'm just going to say the famous thing. Just I'm going to just touch the tip of the iceberg. It says, um, Kedoshim to you. I'll read the words inside. Just in page 656, 657, God, Hashem spoke to Moses saying, be holy. Okay? for I am holy. So what's going on here? God is telling us to be holy. So the Ramban, Nachmanides, jumps and he has a long piece. Goes on, very, very long piece. And this is one of the more famous Rambans. He says as follows. There is a concept in Judaism called a novel versus HaTorah. A novel means a um, the art school had a beautiful word for it. A, I don't even know how to pronounce it. De a degenerate? Is that a good word? Degenerate. I, spent, I pronounced it right. A degenerate. I used to always translate it as a disgusting person. But either way, a degenerate with the permission of the Torah, which means God gives us a list of commandments and a, a list of positive commandments, a list of negative, negative commandments. We can weave in and out of the letter of the law and find a way to do many, many, many things in a kosher, in a kosher way, in a non-kosher way. We can eat like a glutton. We can get drunk 
like a skunk, and there's no there's no prohibition in the Torah of getting drunk. You can get stoned. All these things are all technically permitted. We can get married to a thousand people, a thousand wives, and and if we want, and live a life full of lust. If if someone if someone um, um wanted to do that, however, that's a degenerate. It's technically permission. Says the Ramban, we're not allowed to do that. You know why? Where's the commandment for that? This commandment. Kiddoshim to you. We are commanded to be holy. We are commanded to live on a higher plane. To live higher. To say, there's this letter of the law, as they say in, in English, and the spirit of the law. There is a commandment to live within the spirit of the law. In fact, the Ramban goes in the whole, at great lengths to connect the Ten Commandments, the Sarah, the Debra's Ten Commandments, to these following verses. If you have a chance to go through these verses, you read them very carefully, you'll notice how they pretty much correlate to the Ten Commandments. It's, it's a little bit not totally self-explanatory. The Ramban has to explain some of them, but you go through them, you'll see there's a list of things. Ani Hashem, for example, corresponds to the First Commandment, I'm God, etc. And, and as you go through them, you find honoring your parents is in there, Shabbos is in here, etc. And the idea is that not only are we commanded to do the mitzvot literally, but we're commanded to live in the spirit of the law. Included in living in the spirit of the law is the, the rabbinic laws. All the rabbinic laws are basically living in the spirit of the law. And which is why everything is repeated over here. Is that Shabbos, on a biblical level, that's in the Ten Commandments. Shabbos in a meaningful level, with connection and understanding and happiness and feeling, that's this one. That's this week's Torah portion. To be kadosh, to be holy, and to make it meaningful. That's a special commandment in this week's Torah portion. And I think we will end with that. So have an amazing Shabbos, everyone. Thank you for coming.